What's up, everybody? Welcome to Football Today with me, Varus Gribian. Um, this is my going to be my first episode. We're going to be talking about FC Bayern Munich, my club. It's been a strange few weeks, considering that we played Ajax, and everybody was pursuing uh, De Ligt. Uh, yesterday, we played RB Leipzig, and news came out after that we had released and paid the release clause for Lucas Hernandez from Atletico Madrid. It's been a weird week considering that we have a midweek. It's been an English week. We have a game on the weekend against Frankfurt. It's going to be another tough game. And we got drawn with Liverpool. I'll get to that in a few minutes. The game against RB Leipzig yesterday. What a game. It was just each other's defense canceling the other attacks. Werner and Poulsen really didn't do much, but neither did Levo or Muller. Now, praise where praise is due. That Leipzig center halves, Omicano and Konati, I believe. They are strong, quick, and young. Whoever picks them up is going to be lucky because those two pairs, those are really, really good. I'm talking about they could be the next center backs for France. France do have good center backs. Rafael Varane and Samuel Titi. Very good. But considering the way they played, it shows that RB Leipzig do have the best defensive team and record. They've given up the least goals in the league. But what about yesterday's game? I thought it was going to end zero. And zero. But it didn't. Sanchez came on. He made a run in. Kimmich gave him the ball. Did an awkward turnaround shot, which got deflected out, sort of. Well, Upavacano cleared it, mistakenly, towards the middle of the field. He should have just cleared it to a corner. Ribery picked it up, juked two guys, sent them back to Leipzig, and scored it. 1-0. Game done. But that wasn't it. This is where I think... An important aspect of the game showed up for me. And this is going to play a real big factor later on. There was a ball that got headed towards Thiago. I believe it was Sula. And Thiago played a quick ball and moved. And the tackle came in. Whatever. But Renato Sanchez reacted as... I would react as many of you would react. He went and said, no, 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 no. I'm going to push this guy down and let him know that, hey, this is our best midfielder we have. The only chance we have of winning Liverpool, of getting through to the quarters, semis, finals, is level, uh, is uh, Thiago. Level is also needed. Kimmich the likes of uh, Sula and Hummels, but Thiago, that is very, very important. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna give a really high praise for Sanchez for sticking up. He may have cost himself a game, a very important game, but I have a feeling Kovac with his Balkan identity is gonna love it because he's gonna be like, hey, this guy, this young kid sticked up for someone that older than him, 28 year old, something like let's say, someone older. He sticked up for him and got himself a red card. I like that. I can respect that. So the game ended 1-0. Three points. We grinded it out. It was not an easy game. Very tough. Probably one of the toughest games we've played all year. In the league, that is. But we made it. Three points. Closed the gap. Closed the gap to six points to Dortmund. Now, Gladbach also won. They are ahead through goal difference. Shockingly. When I say shockingly, when, when, I, when I say shockingly, I mean how is Gladbach ahead of Bayern Munich on goal difference? Jerome Botang, sad to say, was one of the best defenders in the world a couple of years ago, maybe. But this season, my God, the foul in Ajax... That was terrible. I believe it was Ajax. The foul, he gave up the penalty. Yeah, I believe that was Ajax. That was terrible. Should have let the guy keep running. But he decided to bulldoze him. Now, I've said this many times. When Jerome Potan gets caught and he has to track a man, he has to run, he looks like he's running in jeans. It looks like he's wobbling. It looks like he's jogging it doesn't look like he can give it his best and i have a feeling why if you guys remember he has poor 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 muscle problems the game against real madrid he decided to go on a 40 run, 40 yard run and pulled his hamstring terrible in my head I'm thinking, this guy has done a lot for Bayern Munich and the German national team, but he needs to go. The people I would sell, or hey, just tell them, listen, we're, we're moving on, we're in a transitional period, new coach, young players, young coach, we want to get new guys in fresh, we want to compete, so unless you want to sit on the bench and be backups, I suggest you tell your agent to look f for a new place for you. Those players, for me, need to be Jerome Boateng and Javi Martinez. Javi Martinez, for me, is a very, very important player in my eyes. Because if he likes the role of sitting on the bench, and I can just throw him on when we're up 2-0, 85 minutes gone, I can just throw him on and put an extra defender on, cool. I'm okay with that. But his wages, and at his age, I will assume that he wants to leave and get playing time. It is his last chance to move to a big club. He can move to the likes of Atletico Madrid. He can move to the likes of Atletico Bilbao. All those players. He can move to Italy. He can move to Juventus. I know all these clubs I named. Big clubs, big players. But he still has the capability of playing a game that is slow. 
Bayern Munich and the Bundesliga consists of pressing high, running around. It's not that easy. Javi, he will have to go. And Jerome Boateng will have to go. Now let's bring it back a little to when we drew Liverpool. I knew we would draw hard candidate. Hard team. Nothing easy. We never get easy. Remember, the year we won the treble, 2013, we played Arsenal, we played Juventus, then we played Barcelona, then we played Borussia Dortmund. Those are pretty good, tough four teams. You have to realize, we played Arsenal first. We almost went out. We played Juventus. We won an aggregate of 4-0. Barcelona, 7-0. And you all know what happened in the Champions League final in Wembley. But this year, we have a new type of opponent. An opponent that we haven't seen in a while. In the Champions League, that is. A high-pressing team. Quick. Someone, a team that just relies on build-up play. Get the ball, lose the ball, get the ball. Lose the ball, get the ball. When we get the ball, run. Pass, pass, pass. Jurgen Klopp's team is like rock and roll. Aggressive. Press, press, press. Positioning. Power. But the sad part about all of this is that Liverpool fans and ex-Liverpool player have said Bayern Munich is not the same Bayern of all. Now, I don't know what that means. Because if that is a thing, I know a friend of mine that will say, Hey, Liverpool is not the same of old. I would ask, what do you mean? He would say, hey, Liverpool haven't won the league in 20 plus some years. And I'll be like, wow, so it's not the same Liverpool. Liverpool haven't seen some success in a pretty long time, besides for that one Champions League. So Liverpool haven't won the league in 20 plus years, and all of a sudden they're first in the league. So this is also new for them. The disrespect of some fans, some ex-players, and clubs at times to say, Hey, this team is not the same. Or, hey, this guy is old. Hey, we are still Bayern Munich. Our players might be old, but we have new assets on the team. You have new assets on the team. Liverpool are a great side. They're a good side. But Liverpool in the Champions League lost to Red Star Belgrade. So don't tell me it's not possible to win Liverpool. Liverpool finished second. Liverpool were third before the sixth match day. Liverpool could be out if Virgil van Dijk gets a red. All of this was possible. Virgil van Dijk will miss the first leg. Thomas Muller will most likely also miss the first leg. 
I am not sure about the appeal he is thinking about, but he will miss the first leg. Virgil van Dijk is your best defender. Virgil van Dijk is your only defender. Joe Gomez is out. Yes, your fullbacks are great. They are great. They are tough. They are physical. But if they need to catch up to Coleman or Gnabry or have to deal with the likes of experience of Robin, it's going to be tough. It could go either way. So I don't like that, oh, it's not the same Bayern Munich. Oh, well, whoop did he do? Let me tell you some facts. Over the past two seasons, Liverpool, in the transfer market, have spent roughly, everything is a ballpark, uh, rounded up, they have spent $350 million believe this is 350 million euros now in turnover they've spent 154 million just the players off the top of my head they have brought in Virgil van Dijk, Naby Keita, Fabinho, Shakiri, Salah, Allison. I just named you five players, six players that are starters so Liverpool have bought starters. They didn't buy guys to reinforce the squad. They bought starters. In the other hand, Bayern Munich in the past two seasons have spent 126.5 million euros. Oh, you're saying that's not bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's not. But in turnover, we've only spent 15 million euros. That means... From all the players we brought in, it was 126 million. And if you minus the players we sold, we've only spent 15 million euros. Now in my head, I'm thinking, hey, what are the players, key players we sold? Sebastian Moody. He was a very good squad player. You could have a Champions League game and you could play him in the weekend. Arturo Vidal. Midfield was a boss. Sold him. Douglas Costa. Very good first half of the season. Second half fell apart like a broken wheel. Incredible. Douglas Costa. Players we brought in. James Rodriguez. It is a loan deal. Option to buy. This summer, $45 million, I believe. But it doesn't matter because Liverpool, as far as turnover, have spent 140 million euros more than us. So theoretically, the pressure is on Liverpool to win. But that is not how Byron looks at it. The pressure is on us. The pressure is on, as a player, as a coach, Doing the tactics, pressing, getting there, finishing your chances, crossing the ball, getting back, playing the right ball, thinking quickly, moving quickly. The pressure is on us too. The media in England will put the pressure on Liverpool. The media in Germany will put the pressure on Germany. The whole world will say Liverpool is going to win. 
I will root for Bayern Munich till the day I die. Bayern Munich can definitely win this tie. Definitely. Now, moving forward, after the RB Leipzig game, we got news that Lucas Hernandez has set to join Bayern Munich. Now I was thinking, and I was thinking, I was like, okay, that's a good signing. Now, many people say he's world-class. He's not world-class. He's 22. Is he, is he, is, does he have something special? Is he a top five, top three left back, center back? No. Maybe. Yet to be seen. I'll give you players that are world-class. Messi, Ronaldo, Lewandowski. World-class. Right? Aguero, world-class. Harry Kane, world-class. Virgil van Dijk, world-class. These are really good players in their position. World-class is something with special. You have something special. Your qualities, your technique. You got to be a technique player. You got to be a physical player if you are a physical player. Messi's not a physical player, right? But he's world-class. Yashua Kimmich, I can make the case, he's a world-class. Why? Because he is the best fullback. Well, let me say it. He's the best right-back in the world. No other player, I think, is a better right-back. And you have to think about it. He is not even a natural right-back. He is a natural CM. Playing at right-back. Following the likes of Philip Lom. And you know what? We would have thought, wow, we're losing Philip Lom and someone has to replicate his performances. And you know what? Yashua Kumic has held his own. Yashua Kumic has held his own. Look at how many assists he has. Look at how many times he scores. Look at how many times he's involved in the scoring. He's always, he's always ahead. I would criticize him on one thing, and that is... He decides to just go for it. A fullback that goes on a journey is a scary thing sometimes. It's like Marcelo. Marcelo is a left back. When Real Madrid had the ball, he would, against Bayern Munich, when he had the ball, he would travel, he would travel, he would get to CM, he would travel, he would get to about a 10 roll, then he would be right behind Benzema, near Ronaldo. And I'm thinking, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Why is Marcelo, the left back, not near the touchline, not providing with, why is he playing in central? And then he has to chase back. That's why I feel like Marcelo is not a great defender. He's a great fullback. He's a good left back, but he's not a great defender. Same with Roberto Carlos. People say Roberto Carlos was one of the best defenders. No, he was a wing back. He could not defend. Well, when I say he could not defend, he was not a great defender. You know who was a great defender? His international counterpart, Cafu. Cafu was a great defender. Played on the other side, right back. That's a great defender. 
Back to this Lucas Hernandez thing. Lucas Hernandez is a great sign. If we do it, it's good. 22 years old, right? He could play backup center back if, if one of them gets injured or we have three games in nine nights, right? He could play left back, so that means he could provide support for Alaba. He can push him. Now, my problem is, is Lucas Hernandez projected to start? This is all with Jerome Boateng leaving. So it's Hummels and Sula. I don't see Hummels and Sula not being the starter. I don't see Lucas Hernandez taking Hummels' spot. If Hummels drops in performance, Lucas Hernandez starts. Now, in my eyes, I'm thinking, wait, are we buying De Ligt also? Are we not? Because I thought we after the I thought after these Ajax performances in the Champions League group stages, De Ligt was someone we would want to go for. Now, De Ligt is going to be much more. But you're saying, wait, Lucas Hernandez is reported eighty-five million dollars release cut, and that is the biggest problem of this all. Lucas Hernandez. For $85 million is a joke. Is a joke. Do you know why? Because Yasuo Kimmich transfer value is below that. Now you're saying, yes, it is a release clause. Doesn't matter. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I am not paying $85 million. Nowhere near that, in fact. I might pay half. I might pay 40 I'll pay $40 million for him. Take it or leave it. If not, Lucas Hernandez will probably end up at Real Madrid or Barcelona, your domestic rivals. Other players to look for, I think, if things go south, right? Benjamin Pavard, I don't know. Still, I'm not fully convinced. He seems like a good player. He shows glimpses of genius sometimes, right? His passing, his positioning, it's good sometimes. But then I look at him, I'm like, hey, why are we the only ones after him? Why is it only 30 million? Why is this team struggling? You know, there's some questions that need to be added too. Yes, dude, got are struggling. It's not his fault. He's a defender. Napoli are also linked with him. That is a big club. But, there's a sense that, hey, this guy is good. He's good. But you can sense, hey, Lucas Hernandez could be great, could be good, could be world-class, possibly. He's 22, for God's sakes. He won the World Cup. So for me, it's crazy that now all of a sudden, Lucas Hernandez is... Reported to Barney for X amount. And we're getting another player for this amount. We're supposed to get a winger. All of a sudden, Bayern Munich are supposed to be buying 200 million worth players. Bayern Munich's highest transfer was Toliso at 46 million. To put that into context, PSG is his Neymar. Over 200 million. Manchester United, Pogba, Juventus, Ronaldo at 100. All of these transfers are way above us. And that is also a great thing. Why? Because we're operating at a much lower threshold. We don't have a blank check 
We don't have a big check. We have a relatively small check. And we're keeping up with the likes of big, big teams. We are also one of the big, big teams. But let's get back to this Lucas Hernandez. And it's just incredible that all of a sudden we're linked with this guy. But then an hour later, our call Hans Ruhrig comes out and goes like, I can neither confirm nor deny. Atletico Madrid comes out, there has been no interest. So what is going on? I feel like there is something here. There is something here. And I don't know if it's January. If it's January with the new rules having that they are not cup tie, Lucas Hernandez could possibly be a good buy in January. Again, I am not buying Lucas Hernandez for $85 million. Not a chance. Not one single chance. On a quick point, we have a game against Frankfurt on the weekend. It's a big game. Frankfurt are fifth, we're third. RB Leipzig was fourth and we just won. So it's going to be another tough game. This is going to be a repeat of the final, the cup final. We did play him in the beginning of the year. We washed him. But they are steaming. They're on a roll. But I'll tell you why it's going to be a tough game. Serge Gnabry suffered the muscle tear. And he's probably gone, done for the year. He's probably done for probably maybe a week on. I don't know how the significant the injury is. Aryan Robin, out. Serge Gnabry, out. Jerome Botang, out. Hamas Rodriguez, out. Karan Tolisso, out. Renato Sanchez with the red card, out. Look at how many players are out. Kingsley Coman might be out. He has a knock. He might be out. What, what does that mean? What does that mean? That probably means we have to start with Frank Ribéry and we probably have to start with Thomas Muller on the other side. If not... You would have to play Javi, Thiago, Kimmich in the midfield, Rafinha in the back with Thomas Muller behind Lewandowski. It's crazy. Look at how many injuries we have. And it's also a good time for all these injuries because once the Champions League comes out, if we have a full squad, we're not going to have a full squad, but if most of these players are get back, Arjen Robin, Serge Gnabry, James Rodriguez, Sanchez, all these guys most likely will be back, which gives Kovac a really nice plate full of options. He doesn't have to stick with this specific guy. He doesn't have to play this specific guy. He will have changes. He will have options to substitute. That is something Liverpool have that we do not have. Liverpool can possibly, possibly have Daniel Sturridge, Naby Keita, Fabinho, and Shaqiri on the bench against us. That is absurd. That is absurd. That is what money buys. If your league makes money, you can do that. Alright, I think this is going to be ending it for our first episode on football today. Um... 
my Twitter is linked with the account. It'll be great. Follow me. I watch games. I tweet about it. It's fun. And thank you for coming by listening. What's up, everybody? We're back today with another episode of Football Today. Today, I want to discuss what makes a football club elite. What makes them big? You know how everybody says this is a big club. He is transferring to a big club. So what makes a big club? I wrote down a few criteria of what makes a big club. And I'm going to follow that criteria. The few criteria people are going to get kind of agitated. Oh, why isn't my club in there? Um, So the criteria is going to be they need to have, the club needs to have history. The club needs to have legends. The club has to have a great fan base. The club has to be global, of course, and the club has to have trophies. The league also matters, but it's not going to matter much. Um, So at one point, you can't say, oh, why isn't my team from Ukraine big? Yes, there are big teams in Ukraine, but relatively to the other uh, top five leagues, they are below them so the six criteria i have noted out i have also made tiers so a tier one a tier two a tier three for the first tier is going to be the big big clubs so the first one i'm going to note out is my club Bayern munich this is a team rich full of legends history fans it's global many trophies just some of the legends at this club that came through won trophies from Miroslav Klose to Jurgen Klinsmann, Claudio Pizarro, Roy Mackay, Owen Hargreaves, Mario Basler. Just too many to name. You can make a starting two starting 11s with Bayern Munich squad. Aryan Robin, the recent ones, Hassan, Mark Van Bobo was great for Bayern Munich, Beckenbauer. Lothar Matthias, Lucio, Ribéry, Roberto, Lazarzur, Balak, Schwansteiger, Lam. It could just go on. Mehmet Scholl, Sepp Meyer, Oliver Kahn, Schwarzenbeck. You know, all these, uh, Uli, our, uh, our board, uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, and Stefan Effenberg. Just so many to name. Even Paul Breitner, you know, recently in the news. Just ridiculous amount. And... Probably one of the big of them all, Jared Mueller, you know. If I haven't mentioned Beckenbauer, Beckenbauer's probably, if not the biggest legend that has played for Bayern Munich. You know, this is a team full of just riches. And after probably World War II, a lot of things in Germany and Europe probably died down. And it, it revamped again in the 60s. And it, Bayern Munich probably hit their heights in the 70s, winning uh, the the Europe, the European Championship back then, as it was called, three years in a row. The I believe the second club to do that, Ajax being the first. The fan base, just every every time you go to a home game, away game, fans are there chanting, just always, always supporting the club. Um, it's gotten trophies to to be named too. You know, Bayern Munich has won the league twenty eight times with five Champions League. European champions as well back then. So it's it's a club full of riches. It's the biggest club in Germany. 
It's it's done the best it could to put itself in a position to uh, be successful. You know, everybody keeps saying that Bayern Munich always buys uh, talent within the league. Well, that is true, but why would you want to buy talent outside of the league? I never understood that. See, if I was, uh, let's say, if I was uh, a fan of Liverpool, uh, Manchester United, Chelsea, I would not want to buy a player outside of Europe. My main goal is to weaken the opposition by buying a player from them. And to be fair, the teams in Germany, maybe a decade, two decades ago, were very, very poor when it comes to contracts. They would let contracts run out, such as Lewandowski. We did that as well with Balak. We let Balak's contract run out, and what happened? Balak just chose to go to Chelsea. Neuer. Schalke, Schalke, Schalke had Neuer. You know, Schalke was a... Many of the teams in, in the Bundesliga are rich in talents with great academies. But they let these players go. They let them go for bargain prices. Now, yes, that the bargain prices has to do with commercial, with how we sell the club. We know we're not a commercial... Uh, we're not a commercial league, unlike the BPL. So you can have a BPL average player going for 50 million, and that same exact player in Germany could go for 20 million. You know, it's different. The league is different. But Bayern Munich has done its best. You know, Bayern Munich has also helped the league. Bayern Munich uh, loaned money to Dortmund back in the days, so they can uh, not file for bankruptcy. You know, we we. We are very strong in the Bundesliga. You know, we might have fans that we don't like each other. We might have derbies. We might be everybody might be hating Bayern Munich because of our success. But our success is down to us. We put ourselves in position to succeed. This this succession of winning leagues and being in the Champions League, winning the cups, it all came down when we introduced our academy players. Schweinsteiger and Lahm started back in the early 2000s. They ramped up. They gained, they gained playing time, right? And more, a little bit more recently, maybe a decade ago, uh, we had Thomas Müller coming through the rings. No, we didn't have to go buy these players. Thomas Müller, Tony Cruz, Emery Chan, David Alaba. Just so many to name. It's ridiculous, you know. Bayern Munich have created so many good players. Moving on to another team that I believe is in the top tier of big clubs is Manchester United, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Juventus. That is my top tier teams. That is the big clubs. That is the ultimate, ultimate clubs. Manchester United, winners of 20 leagues, three Champions Leagues. Real Madrid, 33 leagues and 13 Champions Leagues. Barcelona, 25 leagues, 5 Champions Leagues. Juventus, 34 leagues and 2 Champions Leagues. Now some might ask, well, why is Juventus in there and not AC Milan? Good question. AC Milan have won. Five more Champions Leagues than Juventus. That is very true. Very true. But AC Milan are behind Juventus in leagues by 16. You know, leagues, cups, all that add up. 16. So within Italy, Milan is not the biggest. Within Europe, 
Milan is the biggest, as far as Italian clubs go. But I would put Juve under the top-tier teams. They have legends, fans, they're global, trophies, they have history. Same with Manchester United, same with Real Madrid, and same with Barcelona. Now, people would say, wait, Barcelona? They've had on-and-off spells. Yeah, so did Manchester United. Manchester United had on and off spells. You know, they went maybe a, when Liverpool were at their heights, Manchester United were nowhere to be seen. Manchester United really, their heights came in when Sir Alex Ferguson came in. Before then, Manchester United was not Manchester United. Yes, back in the day, they did have George Best. But after George Best, they had a spell of just going downwards. Now, Manchester United has been flopping recently. So if I don't see a league win, I don't see them competing. I would move them down for Liverpool. If Liverpool win the league this year, I would put Liverpool above Manchester United. Same with Milan. Milan hasn't won a league in a while. Milan is selling players instead of buying players. Milan used to be one of the biggest players. They had Maldini, they had Nesta, Sedorf, Mark Van Bommel, Beckham, Kaká, Dida, Cafu, Costa Gorta. They had big names, Shevchenko, Roy Costa, Barezi, so many, so many. Well, one of the elite teams ever assembled in Europe was probably AC Milan. But what have they done recently? And this is not a knock at Milan fans. You know, Milan fans are great. I've been to Italy. Italy is a beautiful place. Milan is a beautiful place. They share a stadium with Inter, so they have a really good history, you know, back in the days when Mourinho was there. Even, even Inter, back, way, 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 way back then, they, would, they had won the Champions League. You know, Inter has won the Champions League three times, three times. Inter, Milan, Juve are the only three Italian clubs that have won the Champions League. So that is my top tier. Juve... Barcelona, Madrid, Manchester United, Byron. Manchester United, as I said, could come down. Madrid and Barcelona are always going to be there. Madrid have probably the biggest club in Spain, had also their spell. When Johan Cruyff was there, Madrid was not. Madrid, to be fair, Madrid have won a lot of leagues, but Barcelona have caught up a lot. The last time Madrid won a league was, I believe, when Ancelotti was there. 2014, if I'm not mistaken. But Barcelona in the past 7 years, 10 years, it's been mostly Barcelona. I could think of only Ancelotti and Mourinho winning it for Real Madrid, the league. You know, everybody says Zidane was a great manager. Zidane is a great manager. But he mainly focused... In the Champions League. He won three Champions League in a row. That is spectacular. But when it comes to domestic trophies, he has not produced much. He didn't win a league. Mourinho won the league once against Pep. Pep won it three times, I believe, with two Champions Leagues and many Copas. So that's my Tier 1. My Tier 2 consists of Liverpool, Inter Milan, Ajax, AC Milan, 
and Benfica. Many people would be shot by Benfica. They would say, well, why isn't, why isn't PSV in there? Why isn't Dortmund? Why isn't Arsenal or Chelsea in there? Well, Arsenal, Chelsea, they've been relevant for, what, two and a half decades? What was Arsenal before Arsene Wenger? I don't remember. Same with Chelsea. Since they got their buck from Abramovich, Chelsea before was not much of a factor. But my tier two, Liverpool. Liverpool with 18 leagues, five Champions Leagues. Inter Milan, 18 with three Champions Leagues. Ajax, 33 with four Champions Leagues. Milan, with 18 and 7. And Benfica, Benfica winning 36 leagues and two Champions Leagues. Right above Porto, just above Porto. Porto having 28 leagues and two Champions Leagues. So Porto is still right there. Porto being the recent winner of the Champions Leagues, not Benfica. But Benfica goes ahead because of league titles. All these clubs in the Tier 2, they all have history. They have legends. They have fans. They're global. They have trophies. They've won many leagues. Champions Leagues. You know? Ajax was probably one of the clubs that I was thinking, Why, should I put Ajax? But I have to. Because Ajax revolutionized the game in the, in the 70s, in the 60s. Johan Cruyff. Look at how many Ajax players have come through the ranks. Ajax is a big, big club. They may not play like it. The league might not get the endorsements. They need the sponsors. But they're a big club. Ajax used to be one of the biggest clubs in the world. They used to be tier one. You know, look at Ajax, Johan Cruyff. Burkamp, Luis Suarez, Marco Van Basten, all these guys came through the ranks at Ajax. Ibra, Van der Vaart, Schneider, Edgar Davids, Patrick Kulvart, Edwin Van der Sar, so many players. So I had to put Ajax in there. And Ajax have won the Champions League too. And the number one leagues won in Holland. My tier three would probably... It was tough. It was tough. But my tier three, I'd put Arsenal, Chelsea, Dortmund, PSV, and Porto. Porto winning two Champions League and 28 leagues. Yes, Portugal is not considered one of the top five leagues. But you got to put respect where respect is due. Benfica and Porto have been fighting it out for leagues. 36-28 for Benfica. So Porto is right there. They've also won Champions Leagues. Arsenal. Now this was a tough one because I asked some fans... Arsenal fans, Chelsea fans, Manchester United fans. And I asked, hey, 
what do you think about this tier three? And I put Arsenal. Some said, you know, Arsenal would have to be near Liverpool. And I said, wait, but Arsenal have won, never won the Champions League. Liverpool have also won five more leagues. Yes, Liverpool have failed. But you cannot, you cannot talk about a club without its past. A club has to be discussed past, present, and future. So I said, you know what? I will put Arsenal in the tier three. Chelsea. Chelsea have won six league titles. A little less than half of Arsenal. But Chelsea won the Champions League against Bayern Munich. That was a sad day. We were a great side that day. And the following year, they won the Europa League. So it's not a bad it's not a bad shout, Chelsea. Dortmund. Dortmund have won the league eight times and were part of two Champions League winning one back in the late 90s. So Dortmund also gets in. PSV. PSV have won 24 leagues and one Champions League. Porto, as I discussed, 28-2. to two. These are all big clubs. Not top, top, top tier clubs, but these are big clubs. So think of it like this. In England, Manchester United has the highest leagues at 20. Then Liverpool, then Arsenal, then Everton, then Aston Villa. And Aston Villa winning one Champions League also. Then Sunderland and Chelsea at 6. City at 5, Newcastle at 4. In Spain, Madrid with 33, Barcelona with 25, Atletico with 10, Bilbao with 8, Valencia with 6. In Italy, Juventus 34, Milan 18, and Inter 18. Big clubs. In Germany, Bayern Munich with 28, Dortmund with 8. Nuremberg with 9, Schalke with 7, and Hamburg with 6. In France, I wouldn't have put any French sides because French sides have always been not that consistent, I guess. You know, if you look at, if I, I would ask you, what, what club in France has won the most leagues? I asked this same question to many people. I got many answers. I got Lyon. I got Monaco. I got Marseille. I even got PSG. They were all wrong. All of them. It was Saint Etienne with 10. And Marseille with 10. None of them. The people that asked, none of them knew the correct answer. It was dispersed. PSG has 7. Monaco has 8. Nantes has 8. Lyon has 7. And the only French side to win a Champions League was Marseille. And in England, only 4 sides have won the Champions League. United, Liverpool, Villa, Villa and Chelsea. In Spain, only 2 sides. Madrid and Barcelona. In Italy, three sides, Juventus, Milan, and Inter. In Germany, three sides have won the Champions League, Bayern, Dortmund, and Hamburg. 
You know, in Portugal, only two sides, Benfica and Porto. Holland, three sides, Feyenoord, PSV, Ajax. And I had a linger of thinking about the Scottish League. I was thinking very hard, do I put these two clubs, Rangers and Celtic? Rangers have won it 54 times. Celtics have won it, Celtic have won it 49. Yes, Celtic have also won a Champions League. But I was thinking hard and I asked some friend that watch the English Premier League and are familiar with the Scottish League. And they would put none of Rangers or Celtic above Arsenal, Chelsea, Dortmund, PSV or Porto. Yes, these clubs have history. All of these clubs I've named history, legends. They're global with a lot of fans. They've won trophies. They've won leagues. All of them have been relevant. All of them have at one point hit a high. And all of them at one point have hit a low. But I couldn't not include Scotland. Once Scottish teams start performing in Champions Leagues, and start getting into the quarters, the semis, through to the knockout stages even. Then I can say, you know what? I can move Rangers and Celtic to a team like Everton. And even more, I can maybe move them up to the third team team. But as of now, I want to see more from Scotland. I want to see more from every league. You know, I want to see more from France. I want to see more from... Portugal, I want to go see Holland again, see their heights of what they have achieved. I want them to go back there. I want competitive football. You know, I don't want these group stages where Barmini has to go to, you know, Serbia and play a knockout stage. No one wants to see that. The Serbian fans do. Fair play to them. But that's the game today. It's dispersed. For money, it's commercial, sponsorships, TV rights. It's big. So it's it wasn't easy making this. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, what about my club? Why is that club in there? Oh, my club is bigger than that club. I've won more Champions League, blah, 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 blah. But it's not that easy. Not everyone's going to be happy with the ranking. But I had to put these tiers. I had to make a threshold, I had to put a silver lining, you know? I had to make a criteria. Every club I've named have had some part of this criteria filled, if not all. Every club has had their downs, every club has had their heights. Some have been at their heights longer, some have hit their lows longer. So it was not easy. It was definitely not easy. But on this, I will end it. Thank you for tuning in. I will be back with another episode, either today or tomorrow. Happy holidays, and everybody have a good night.